Welcome to On Demand. This is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with me today. Our word today is believe. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to start. I believe it's central to everything we do. Have faith and confidence is key to our development and key to our advancement. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. So join me in this study. It's really helpful. It's going to help you today put this whole concept of believing in proper perspective. Enjoy the message. I'll be back to pray for you at the end. So stay right there. Listen, we are going to jump into a text in Philippians chapter three. We've been working this whole text for a month now. And in this series, I have tried to help you think through what Paul was saying. There were four things in Philippians chapter three, verse 13. Let me read the text first. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it or to have arrived, it says in the King James. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, and straining or reaching toward what is ahead, and I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. I like this text because it offers four simple, what I call things that help you move forward in life. If you wanna move forward in life, you have to learn how to forget things. That means you just let that go. And I talked about that, and it was wonderful. Uh, message where I shared with you the importance of it and how easy it is to get stuck in a place where you don't forget. There is a healthy scientific evidence uh, about the value of forgetting that sometimes you need to let it go. Secondly, we talked about reaching. And there's a part where in your life you have to reach forward. You have to have a clear direction of what you want. And only you can do that. And you can't reach, I said, for what you can't see. If you can't see it, you can't reach for it. Thirdly, you have to press, and that requires stubborn grit, where you're just determined that you're going to push through the difficulty. You see that in school, you see that in education, you see that in various seasons in your life where it's just all about the push. Trying, trying, trying. Today, we close with the thought about believing. And it's really important to understand that he says, I press toward the goal to win the prize. And there's an air of confidence in that kind of press. I'm not just leaning in. And he uses a runner as an illustration, you know, where he's the run is coming at to the tape and he's leaning in with this deep confidence. I'm going to win. So if you want to move forward in your life, you have to be a person who forgets, who reaches, who presses and who believes. The runner believes he's going to win. He runs with that determination. I am convinced that one of the things that I fight the most in life at times is believing. Uh, it's easy to not believe. You, you, it's easy to think somebody else is going to get the prize. Somebody else is going to win. Somebody else is going to have the opportunities and not you. It's so easy. And I, I, it's so easy to not believe that. Christians have this thing that they go through. It's an itch behind their ear, you know. It says, ah, oh, you can't, you can't, you can't. You, you're not, you're not, you're not going to make it. You, need, you may or you may not. And there's this thing that just stays in your mind. And, you know, somebody else is supposed to be there. But I want to, for a moment, get you to just for a moment, forget all that. I want you to reach forward and I want you to press and I want you to believe you can. Now, I often say there are three, three things you've got to believe in. One is you've got to believe in God. You've got to believe God. God's going to really help you do this. Number two, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe that you can do it. You've got to believe in you. And you've got to thirdly believe in others. I don't believe you can ever be successful without those three. 
But in this text, Hebrews chapter 11, I want to take you to, he starts out by simply saying, let me show you a guy who believed God. So I want to talk, I want to focus on that aspect of this today. If I were teaching an administration class, I would say, let's talk about believing in yourself and believing in, in others. Because I, I don't believe you can ever be successful in any endeavor if it's only you trust in God. I think there are other elements that come into play at certain stages of life. And, and he talks about it. As a matter of fact, the story of Jethro and how Moses was told by Jethro, his father-in-law, you let people help you. Even though God's in your life, Moses let people help you. But I want to take you to another guy. I'm not going to get off on that today. I want to go to Enoch. And I want to, I want to read a text in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, where it describes his walk with God and how that's the foundation to his advancement in life. Listen to what it says. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, the important part about this is Hebrews chapter 11 is the record of the people who are faithful. It's like the all-star list. It's like the Hall of Fame. These are people, and he starts with in Genesis and walks all the way through and tells us about Abraham and Isaac and all the people in Jacob, all the people who, who walk with God and what we learn from their life, Moses. All these individuals are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And one of the guys that's listed is this guy, Enoch. And these are all people who had great faith and great confidence in God. Now, what's interesting is the statement he makes in verse 6. Same chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He says, after talking about Enoch and talking about how he was commended, he says these words, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, the key word I want you to hi highlight is the word without faith, that statement, without faith, it is impossible. Now, if you read it by itself, it really can make a lot of sense. Without faith, it's impossible to fill in the blank. In this text, it says, please God. He talks about Enoch and his faithfulness and how he walked with God and how literally he was raptured. God took him. The reason that this guy is highlighted is because of his consistent walk with God. But that was rooted in faith. He believed God. So the statement's made, without faith, it is impossible. So I want you to think about that in a whole lot of context for a minute. If you don't have confidence, a lot of things will never happen. For example, right? Somebody, well, somebody asked me this in our sermon review. We were reviewing the sermon and they said, well, what do you, how do you practically apply that to your life? I said, well, without faith, you won't exercise. Without faith, it's impossible to get in shape because you won't exercise. Without faith, it's impossible to save money because you won't. Without faith, it's impossible to get along with the person you don't like because you're not trying to. You don't believe you can. Without faith, it's impossible to finish school. Without faith, without faith, without faith. You can fill in a whole lot of blanks. In this context, he said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you want to please God, you got to believe God. you got to believe what he says. And based on your lifestyle and your choices, it says you believe him. Here's what I think is true. A lot of people who are religious really don't believe what God says. Because if they did, they wouldn't live the way they live. They wouldn't make the choices they make. My actions tell you what I believe. My choices. So the statement stands out to me. I, I, I say it to myself quite a bit. Do you believe, Temple? If you believe, change. 
Because without faith, it's impossible to change. It's impossible to be different. It's impossible to, to progress. It's impossible to advance. Some things will never, ever happen in your life because the truth is you don't believe. You, you don't believe. And that, that, is, that is what we see in our kids. We see it as they grow older. They go to church. They hear you talk about God, but they really, truly don't believe. Their lifestyle says, I don't believe what you said. And without faith, it's impossible. It's impossible. And I see this in a lot of ways. I see it in how we relate to God and how we relate to people. You don't believe in marriage. It's impossible to have a good marriage. It's impossible to have a good job. It's impossible to be successful in the career. It's impossible to be a good student. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so I want to say to you, Enoch is a model of a guy who believed. Enoch is a guy who had no questions. And so he walked with God. He was not confused. He didn't allow people to throw him off. He didn't allow other people to get him off his commitment. He was clear. I'm in this walk with God and I'm staying. Now, that's impressive. I thought it'd be fun, though, to go back a little bit and talk about this guy a little bit more because I was always impressed with him. You know, we, we you know, he's walking with God and then Bob himself and he just kind of disappears. Right. OK, this is a great story. Right. You see this guy and all of a sudden he's just there. He's gone. Hey, what happened to Enoch? He just disappeared. God took him, you know. And, and the only reason that God took him because the Bible said he walked with God, incredibly faithful man who believed God and just took him. Well, please note a couple of things about him that I think were impressive. Number one. I want to go back in his family history a little bit and I want to talk about his father. In chapter um, Genesis chapter five, verse 18, there's a comment made about his father. Listen to what it says. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch and he became the father of Enoch. It says Jared lived, watch this now, uh, 800 years and had other sons and daughters all together. Uh, Jared lived a total of 962 years and then he died. So the guy has a son named Enoch and he has him when he's 162 years old. Pause. <laughs> now, please understand, that's uh, amazing. You live to be 962 years, but you wait to 162 years old to have Enoch. Now, now that's that's just a whole different standard of, of um, having a child. But I want you to notice how they thought. We can still have children at 162 years old. That's just, now if you can wait that long to have kids, you might have some sense by that time. That's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing length of time. Look at the next verse, verse 21. And it talks about Enoch now, uh, by, by his family standards, He's going to have an, a child early in life. Now, remember, his dad had him at 162. I love verse 21. But Enoch had lived 65 years. I'm, I'm today. I'm 64. He's a year older than me. And then the Bible said he became the father of Methuselah, who was the oldest person in the Bible. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years. So after he has him, he has some more children. He lives 300 more years with sons and daughters. Now, now you can almost look at <laughs> Enoch, who's 65 years old and deciding to have children. It's kind of like you almost wonder if his family would say, boy, you're too young to have children. I, you wait, wait, wait a little longer. I was 162. Why are you starting so early? This is amazing. I mean, living this long and this record of how long people lived 
is phenomenal. And, and it, it just changes everything. The older I get, the more I realize, the younger I really am. I mean, I'm older, but I, I, 65 to 60, it's not as old as I thought it was. Not when I was 25. Had a whole different view of it. And this was a culture where everything was different. So they lived a long time. Won't you see that? They have vibrant lives. They're having kids way up in age. And then the Bible says this. Altogether, Enoch lived a total, in verse 23, of 365 years. So he's 365 years old. And then the Bible says, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him. So Enoch is taken or, or, or raptured, uh, never sees death. He leaves at 365. Now, you can understand that when they had the memorial service for Enoch and he said, well, we, Enoch just disappeared, man. He just he's gone. And so the memorial service at 365 in this culture was young. Remember, his dad lived to be 900 and some odd years, 962 years. So you got a guy who's gone at 365 years. I just think these numbers are amazing. That's the kind of environment, background he came from. Now, what's more amazing is his unique spiritual testimony. Even though he lived a long time, even though he had a long life, he had a testimony. And here's what the Bible says about him. By faith, he walked with God. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death, for he could not be found because God had taken him. This is a story about what faithfulness leads to. More than the miracle of the guy being raptured and, 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 and dying um, after living a long time, it's a story about what happened to faithful people. In my early days, when I first started uh, serving God, I, I, I learned early that people are different. Everybody's not committed. Some are and some are not. Some are religious. They like church. They like religion. They like the Bible. They like talking about God. But in terms of their walk, their daily life, there's a big gap between what they believe and the way they walk. So here's my question for you. How are you walking today? If we were to take a close look at your walk with God, what would we see? Now, with Enoch, we see clearly one thing, a guy that's committed, a guy that's devoted. There's something unique about him. He stands out. He's not the same. And I learned early in my Christian walk that that was a decision that I had to make. Nobody, nobody could make me do that. That was my decision. It was up to me. And it's up to you. Now, I'm not saying become a holy roller. I mean, if you want to be a holy roller, roll on. There's nothing wrong with that if you want to be. I'm not saying you got to be a super spiritual person who's always saying God said, the Holy Spirit said. No, I'm not saying that either. But if you want to do that, go ahead and do that too. It's up to you. But the bottom line is I'm saying you need to be a person who, in the privacy of your own life, you walk with God. What's fascinating is it doesn't even give an illustration. It doesn't even tell us how. It doesn't tell us, well, you know, he prayed a lot. It doesn't say he went to the synagogue or when there was really no synagogues back then because church was in homes, by the way. And so there was no, you know, there's no, there's no organized religion. There's no Baptist, Catholic, Methodist. None of that existed in this culture. None of that. There's no media, no television, no radio, nothing, 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 no, media, no digital, nothing, nothing, no Christian television, nothing. It was just this guy walking with God. We have all these accoutrements these days. We got choirs, we got bands, we got music. But this guy had one thing, a walk with God. And believe it or not, that's what you really need. That's all you need. 
One of the things the church has done for us is this fooled us. It's made us think that coming to church, which I love, by the way, okay, I'm in there now. I like church. I'm not against church. I'm a preacher of a church. Okay, I get it. I get it. But, but hear me. We've substituted a walk with God for church, and we've equated the two. We've made people think, if you come to church, that means you walk with God. And there are a lot of people who come to church who are not walking with God. And you have to hear what I just said, walking with God. This is about lifestyle, daily habits, daily choices. Well, how you think, how you communicate. God is left when you get angry. You walk with God and they used to say, I'm going to lay down my religion. I'll be back, God, in just a minute. That kind of lifestyle is not how Enoch lived. It was his walk. It was his daily habit. So I want you to, for a moment, just honestly ask yourself, am I, are we, in this relationship, this romantic relationship, are we walking with God as a couple or not? In regards to your finances, are you walking with God? Is he involved or not? When it comes to how you respond when you're angry, are you walking with God? When it comes to any, everything in your life, how, how involved is God in your life? And I'm not saying you got to become some spiritual weirdo. I'm not saying that somehow, and this is what's really, really said. We think that you demonstrate walking with God by, by saying a whole bunch of Christian cliches. And a whole bunch of fancy words like hallelujah, glory to God, thank you, Jesus, or quickening. You know, oh, there you go. There's God. No, you just, I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hey, you know, you feel the presence of God and you want to respond and you want to dance. Go for it. But that is not, listen to me carefully, that is not walking with God. That's easy. Anybody can dance. Anybody can cut loose. There you go. You saw that? Right, right. Anybody can do that. That's not, they said that's, <laughs> you said that's not dancing, right? But, but hear me. There's something about being clear that that's not walking with God. Here's what walking with God is. Walking with God is when you become angry, you look to him and you go, why would you respond to this? Would you cuss them, fight them, or work through it? Walking with God is in the moment of the greatest temptations of your life, you pause and you say, is this right? Or is this wrong? You walk with God is invited into your life. You acknowledge him in all your ways, one verse says. So in reality, some of us have never walked with God. You go to church, you sing, you pray, but you don't walk with him. He, when you leave the building, he's left in here. He's at the altar. He's not a part of your thinking, communication. The when you cuss the way you cuss, that's not walking with God. Think about it for a minute. I mean, hey, you know, I grew up around bad words every now and then, so I understand a few of them myself. But the point is, that's a statement about who you walk with. Are you saying I walk with the devil? Is that what you're trying to say? No, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. You did. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Well, well how do you know if you're walking with the devil? <laughs> why, why are you caught up on that? Listen, I don't want to talk about that. You probably know the answer to that. I want to talk to you about you walking with God in your marriage, in your life. When you go to your job, he's with you. The way you handle your customers, the way you manage confusion. He's with you. And that is his dream, you know. That's why David said in that psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through Hmm, I love this valley of death. Thou art with me. It's God's desire to walk with you. The problem is we often lock him out. He's not invited in. Here's what I want you to consider. Inviting him 
on the walk, your life walk, as you make decisions. And I'm not saying he's going to come down and say, you should be a lawyer. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying invite him in. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your path. I believe that my secret weapon is the invitations I give to God throughout the seasons of my life. I invite God into my life. I invite him into everything. I invited him into who I married. I invited him into how I manage crisis. I invite him into the moments when I'm afraid. I invite him into the moments when I'm confused. I invite him into those moments. I, I, my goal is to have him walk with me. And I've learned something. I've got an advantage. You might say, wait a minute, I heard you say you get afraid. Oh, man, yeah, please. Things, things are intimidating. But I've learned in those moments to invite his thinking in. I invite his thinking into those moments, and that's what brings peace to me. When I'm challenged, he helps me throughout the seasons of my life. And that's what I want to talk about next. I want to show you how to manage the seasons of your life. One of the things that aging has taught me is, that, and it really surprises me, as I, when I was younger, I had so much to do. You had rearing kids, you had housework, you had lawn, you had, you had, you just, I mean, business, uh, travel everywhere, tons of work to do. And you just felt like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I struggled with those seasons. It felt like I had no space. I was just jammed up. Some of you are there now, just jammed up completely. And it was difficult in those seasons. And in those seasons, God came into my life and helped me. He helped me understand I don't have to say yes to everything. He helped me understand how to parse out and work in pieces. And I, I learned that success comes in pieces. And so my life has been better. But I needed God to be a part of that season. That's how I manage those, that season. But I also learned as I've aged another season, when you're not as jammed. Some of you are retired. Some of you are at a season where you have what I call empty spaces now. Remember, when you're younger, you had no spaces at that season of your life. But now you have more spaces and you are confused. Retirement is really stressful for a lot of people. And it's because now you have more spaces. But it's not just retired people. When you're in college, you were forced to do this. High school, college, got to, you got this, you got all these scheduled things to do. But then when you get on a job and now you don't have to go to class anymore. You have free time. You get confused when you have more spaces, when that season comes, when you're confused. Sometimes if you're not careful, that's when you start drugging, doing stuff because you're bored. So you have to learn how to manage both seasons of your life. And I want to show you how to do that. I believe managing the changing seasons of your life is the key to you being a healthy person. A lot of mental illness is tied to you not knowing how to manage the new seasons of your life. A lot of the emotional stress you face is because you don't know how to deal with yourself. Being alone, just you, you're divorced, your husband died, your, your family has passed on, you're the last one living. Whatever it may be, you have to learn how to manage those seasons. And the next time we gather, I'll talk about that. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who have come here feeling isolated and troubled who don't believe, but may they look at the life of Enoch and learn from it. A man who modeled what it meant to walk with God, to believe God. Let this be a moment when our faith would wrap around the words we've heard today. 
and then we'd invite you in. So I invite you into our life. And I want to pray, God, for those who've never invited you into their life. May this be the moment that they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be the guide of my life. Lift my life to a new place. Heal my heart. Show me how to think and how to process. Let this be a moment of deliverance and strength for me. And God, I declare in your name, healing and grace, I pray for this season. In your name I pray. Amen. I pray you are blessed by today's message. The key message in this sermon is simple. You've got to believe. Believing changes everything. It made Enoch special. It'll make you special. And I believe it can change your life. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for those who've heard this message today. We are so inspired by Enoch's life. We're inspired by a man who had one testimony, please God. He walked with God, he obeyed God, and his life result was amazing. May we rise to trust you today like we never have before. And may this example inspire us to believe that we can. And I give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching today. It's been amazing. Thank you for your time. Go and be a believer. Walk with God and watch him change your life. See you next time. Bye-bye.